Welcome to Bodcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Medenta. Bodcast delivers the best business advice, real-life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Hello, my name is Johnny Drury, and this is the latest episode of Bodcast, and I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Strevens from Frank Taylor & Associates. Uh, welcome, Chris. Can you just introduce yourself and and tell us a little bit about what you do. Hi, Johnny. Yeah, thanks very much for the invitation. Uh, yeah, my name's Chris Strevens. I am a co-owner of Frank Taylor Associates and uh, all the other companies within the FTA group. So that's FTA Law, FTA Finance, FTA Mortgages, FTA Recruitment, FTA Financial Wealth Management. You name it, put an FTA in front of it, and it's probably one of ours. So yeah, I've been doing this for, I think we bought Frank Taylor's uh, just over 20 years ago. And that was the start. Fantastic, fantastic. So today we're talking about um, patient finance and how that can help um, impact the value of your of your practice. Um, so just just going into it a little bit, um, just more on the introduction side of things. Hey, tell us a little bit about the work that you do around you know helping people sort of when they're buying and and selling. So, so we, we basically have obviously two sides of the coin, really. Um, we have a, a seller who wants to sell his, uh, his or her practice. And then we've got obviously a very large list of buyers, uh, you know, five and a half thousand buyers who want to buy a practice, which grows every month. And what we do is effectively match buyers uh, expectations with sellers expectations. So, you know, if you've got a practice that you want to sell, which is a mixed practice in Northwest London, whatever it might be, we will then match you up with our database of people who are interested. What we'll then do is help you negotiate the transaction, get to the point whereby uh, we've got both sides are happy with the price, the value, the terms, the conditions, and then get through to the conclusion so as that the uh, the buyer can start their new journey as a as a practice owner, and that the seller can uh, retire or you know sit back and either continue working at the practice or um, going on holiday, whatever it might be. So we, we sort of help clients. Our vision is that we help clients achieve um, their dreams, their ambitions. You know, we change lives. It all sounds a bit dramatic, but the reality of it is, you know, you've got someone who's run a practice for 30 years. Um, they'll want to sell it for a decent price, but also you've then got a young buyer who wants to create their own dynasty and their own practice and their own lifestyle and their family and all that sort of stuff. So we sort of start both ends, you know, both ends of the uh, the line, I suppose. And with the, the current situation, obviously we all know how um, turbulent the last 12 to sort of 18 months has, has been. Um, what's it? What's the um, the market been like in terms of price-wise? You know how practice valuations sort of fluctuated and, and and how do you see them changing sort of going forward uh a really good question and it's it's amazing isn't it if you'd have asked me this in april last year i'd have said don't really know what's going to happen uh we were saying at the time we were saying to people we're going to value uh pre-covid levels and we're going to then wait for it to be proved wrong <laughs> that the practice hasn't managed to achieve those results again. Um, and during lockdown, what, what was really interesting, Johnny, was that because a lot of associates got disaffected, you know, those earning over 50,000 with a practice that was shut, that didn't have a plan income <laughs> or didn't have the NHS, were receiving no money at all. Um, what that did was that turned um, 
what would have been an associate for life into uh, uh, some of them into practice buyers. So I think the best example I can give you is, you know, when we were working from our, our conservatories <laughs> or, you know, or a loft space or in your case, a nice attic space. Um, we uh, I was sitting opposite my son who works for us and, and he was registering a new person and the guy said one of the questions we always ask is you know why have you suddenly decided that you want to buy a practice and the guy said well I've been an associate for eight years I've always laughed at my friends who own practices um, of the stress and the strain and the hassle he said but now um, I earn over fifty thousand pounds I work in a pure private practice so I'm getting no money I'm getting no support and I'm using my savings. He said, and it's now made me realize that the only way I can be in charge of my own destiny is to buy a dental practice. So we registered about 400 people during that, uh, you know, during the April, May, June, July lockdown period. And that was a common story that said, I'm now vulnerable. I've just suddenly realized that as an associate working for someone else, I'm vulnerable because we were seeing that they, they weren't earning money. And then people coming back to work, the worst we heard was some guy was told that because of the extra cost of PPE and because um, obviously the dentist wasn't making much money, he said to this associate, I'm going to pay you 25% for the next three months. Now, that's a massive difference in your take-home pay. So what that did was effectively increase demand. You know the classic demand and supply curve. So um, supply has not changed, really. Um, demand has gone up. Prices have uh, probably, I would say, are the highest they've been, I would have thought, because you've suddenly got people who realise that they need a regular source of income and the best way of doing that is to be a practice owner and structure your practice so as you get that regular revenue stream and um just sort of moving on moving on from that and talking about the, the patient finance aspect um you know just broadly how did how does offering finance or having that in place you know what what sort of impact does that have on the on the value of the practice moving forward it can be it can be vast it can be massive because we we base our values and everyone bases it on the profitability you know uh, th this this phrase ebitda you know earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization um, that's the core number that basically says how much profit does this practice make we we have our own calculation which we call a reconstituted profit which um, basically we're a little bit more generous because we look at some of the more expenses such as you know courses subscriptions are you paying your spouse a salary and add those back so anything that you can do to that number that profit number will impact upon your value so if you are for instance trying to do uh, let's say what's been very popular is we've seen a lot of people want to do Invisalign let's say um, Invisalign it can be quite expensive so you've got two choices you can promote Invisalign and say to someone well uh, give me all the money up front or you can say to someone I'll tell you what I can do this on a payment scheme which would you prefer well I would probably guarantee that the, the payment scheme is the one that's preferenced. And obviously you've now done, you know, let's say, I think a, a, a last time I looked, a, a full treatment was about four and a half or something. Well, if you look at that and you look at that going into your bottom line, and let's say, for instance, you know, really simplistically, and these are really simple numbers, but let's say you did two Invisalign cases per month. So you do nine grand. And let's say it costs you 10% of the 
uh, you know the subsidy for 0% finance. So that's cost you 900 pounds. So you got 810 pounds of gross profit. So if you were then to say really, really aggressively, I'm going to turn that into a four grand net profit. And there's no way that the, the, the net margin will be that. But you did that every month. That's 48,000 pounds on your net profit. But if you happen to be in a practice that is multiplying that when we come to value it, we would apply a five times multiple to your practice. That's nearly a quarter of a million pounds of value you've just added by using a finance scheme. So to me, it's a no brainer. And, you know, if there was, you know, you've got someone out there who was thinking about introducing it to obviously, like you've just said, increase the, the, the value of the practice. Is there anything they can do alongside patient finance to, to sort of boost the value as well? You know, for example, expanding the amount of services they provide, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you know, you've got general dentists who can do general dentistry. They can go on Invisalign courses and do Invisalign courses. But also where they should look at is things like um, that this isn't going to be very popular about the implantologist in the room who might be listening to you. Um, but in reality, why refer out an implant to someone down the road when maybe you could get an implantologist into your practice to add that number to your bottom line? Because the more profit that you can show that is regular, I don't mean like one off, you know, that like you had a full face reconstruction that cost 50 grand or whatever. But if you had something that, that you could evidence that is regular extra profit that's being added to your bottom line, then that's going to boost. You know, if you if you look at implants again, you simplistically, you know, implant might be two thousand pounds, you might pay uh let, let's say you've got a 50 percent margin on your two thousand, so that's a thousand pounds. You do one of them every uh you know even if you only did one of those every month you've added twelve thousand pounds to your bottom line if we go back to that five times multiple you've just added sixty thousand pounds to your practice value and i'm sure that that there's opportunities to refer internally i mean i did years and years ago there was a group that i um did some consultancy work on and the biggest thing that I got you know you know everyone likes a quick hit don't they you know well what can I do overnight that will that will pay for your services basically so obviously as consultants we look for the ones that we say well, well this is a quick hit and, and basically the quick hit quick hit was there was something like 55 dentists in the group and there was an implant specialist that they had in the group and when I asked the the the, the 55 dentists I said how many of you refer to this guy and the answer there was about three hands went up now if you're i don't believe that on a general any dentist they don't spot at least one implant opportunity in a year and it's probably a lot more than that so if you were able to bring that revenue internally probably on a patient finance scheme again because you want to make it into bite-sized chunks you're adding value to your bottom line which means add that value to the bottom line if the value is added and it's repeatable your your value goes up so those are the other things that you could do as well yeah and this part you probably already answered this but this probably goes without saying you know there are probably some people out there who have finance and don't push it and market it as much as others you know is the benefit of doing that and maximizing that 
the potential of your patient finance in the end, as you say, adds to your bottom line when you want to come and sell the practice. Yeah, yeah. There's no point having it and not telling people. Yeah, it, it, what we used to years ago, uh, we actually created a patient finance scheme ourselves, uh, which we then sold to someone about ten or twelve years ago. And one of the biggest frustrations we had, and I don't know whether it's the same now, was you would have the dentist who would worry about the cost of the subsidy. So they'd sort of say, well, I don't want to spend 10% on doing interest-free dentistry because it's 10% off my margin. But the logic behind that is you're still making 90%. <laughs> so if you don't allow, if you don't pay the 10%, you won't get the 90%. I, I, and I never quite understood that. You know, for me as a business, if if someone came to me and said, look, Chris, uh, if you pay me, uh, if you pay £10, and I will give you £90 for every £10 you pay, and you just have to ask the question, because that's all you have to do, you ask the question. Um, I would say, excellent, I want to spend £100,000, please. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be thinking about the cost that it's costing me £10 each one. And I, I always, it always amazes me that, that sometimes some dentists just don't see the value because they focus on that, that cost but it's only a cost if someone takes the treatment. If they don't take the treatment, it doesn't cost you anything, but also you don't make any money. So you, you've got to do that. It just doesn't make sense, really. And if, um, if there's you know, practices who are looking to sell down the line but not right away and haven't got finance in place but are thinking about it, how far in advance do you advise people to get in place and, and give them that time to build it up ideally they should give themselves a bit of a run-up to be honest you know if, if they were looking to sell we always say that you should try and give yourself a two to three year run-up because what you don't want to do is the danger is you know you you have a really good year and then you sell so say for instance you know your your turnovers 500,000 500,000 800,000 <laughs> your profit goes up because the the concern then for us as valuers is was that 800,000 repeatable or was it just like you did everything that you could conceivably do on every patient <laughs> so so the person then buying the practice isn't going to be able to replicate 800 so it's uh, you should try if possible to give yourself a bit of a long run up you know a two to three so you can actually show that that is the that is the pattern of the practice and um, you know this is slightly moving away from patient finance, but what other things, you know, I'm sure there are a list of things that you tell practices that can increase their value. What what other things are they aside from offering finance? Uh, well, some of the simple ones are uh, a, a patient plan. <laughs> you know, uh, there's no doubt about it. Something like a, a the practice plan patient plan is is great because that provides regular income that's that helps um it, even silly things like um what's the terms of your lease you know uh, it, it's people buy a practice to be able to continue operating that practice what you don't want to do is get to the stage where you've got a lease that's less than 10 years and then you're now having to negotiate with the landlord whilst you're trying to sell the practice because the banks prefer to lend on a 10-year lease so if you had a three-year lease the value of your practice is going to be considerably less because they can only borrow money over three years so it's, it's really really important and i've got a great story which is a um, 
someone should remember this is their mantra if they think that the landlord's a nice bloke because that's what normally happens is people say oh i've been there for years and the landlord's a lovely guy he'll be fine with a new lease we had a guy once who was selling his practice for i think it was about four hundred and fifty thousand pounds and we said to the guy sort your lease out before you sell sort your lease out sort your lease out and he said oh no the landlord's great he's a lovely chap i've known him for years it's going to be fine and then what happened was the landlord got a snifter <laughs> that this guy needed a new lease so basically the landlord said oh yeah i don't mind i've uh, i know you've got three years left on your lease and i'm quite happy to give you a 10-year lease no problems at all but it's going to cost you fifty thousand pounds so this guy he had a practice worth about 450 if he'd have probably done the lease negotiation before he was selling he'd have got that for a couple of grand of legal fees as it was the landlord got a snifter that he couldn't sell the practice without this lease and basically charged him virtually all just over 10 percent of the of the practice sale and the, the shame thing was the guy the seller could not do anything about it because he had a choice of either selling or not selling um, so something like that you know so it's, it's it's nothing to do with running your practice really from a financial what type of service you offer cutting costs increasing the services you offer but it's a real tantamount impact upon your value if you haven't paid attention to your lease i've got one at the moment i've got another one i don't know if, you, if i will bore you with it but there's another one at the moment and we are just about to complete and suddenly the landlord has decided to increase the rent by uh by ten thousand pounds now basically what that's then resulted in is the the buyer you know what i was saying earlier on about uh percent it's a multiple of profit well the buyer has said ah oh, it's going to cost me an extra ten thousand pound a year so therefore uh i've got a 10-year lease so that's going to cost me an extra hundred thousand pounds so i want a hundred thousand pound off the purchase price now we've managed to negotiate a figure that isn't a hundred thousand but it's still a discount on the purchase price because they didn't sort the lease out earlier <laughs> so that's a real simple one but it's nothing to do with a, a dentistry it's to do with your practice and how you're operational fantastic that's great well thank you very much for your time chris and, and thanks for going into that in in so much detail um you've gone through through an awful lot there about the, the landscape of, of of you know buying and selling practices and, and how patient finance can help so thanks very much for your time um and thanks to everyone else for listening to this latest episode of podcast thanks johnny